2: This is Cut to It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr., and I'm little Littlejohn. And this is Cut to It.
3: Cut to it,
2: cut to it,
3: let's get down to it, cut to it.
2: We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks.
3: Let's cut to it.
0: I
4: we're
2: about to let you know, Cause you know it's, on. it's on. all. You know <laughs> yeah, made it through the weekend, it was pretty good. Made it through. Hey, some people don't make I'm it saying,
3: through. Made it, made it through on weekend, and you like, weekend's supposed to be celebratory. You made it through, like, you're supposed to make it through the work week.
2: Yeah, sometimes though, that the weekend, if you're a husband or a dad, uh-huh. and you know, you, oh, have you to got s- more work. Yeah. So it.
3: sometimes it's like sports activities. Oh man. Yeah. Sometimes parks. Yes. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it, it doesn't. Sometimes you're like, man, I can't wait till structure comes. Yeah. Right. So well, that's why I say, I made it through. It's not not bad. It's just. But
3: well, then you find yourself tired, right? Because yeah. you just want to go. You just want to get home. Like for me, this weekend, you just want to go. You want to get home. You want to watch some NBA playoffs. Oh. Damn. Nah, my bad, man. Steve, for context, is a uh, is a Clippers fan. Yes. So you prior you just, you to just, you just, you just, you for punishment, him. stop it. I've been bro. I mean, the facts are the I, facts. Yeah,
2: but do I not ride with my team? You
3: do. Oh no, that's 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 definitely a fact. You like, you I, rock I, the Clippers hats, You rock the and there's
2: no and there's no knock against the Clippers. You can't. But it's, but, it's I'm I'm excited. Look, I. Yeah. I, I
3: this is the furthest they've been. They've never been to a uh, conference finals, right? We
2: ain't, we ain't going no further. <laughs> we do not. You know what I'm.
3: Playoff play P. He's showing up, though. Uh, I mean, just not on the free throw line, but yeah. Stop it. <laughs> did you hear what Shannon Sharp said about it? What did he say? He called him polyester P. Oh. <laughs> you know why polyester? Why? Because when you heat polyester up, it melts.
2: Oh. <laughs> you put some heat on
3: it, he melts.
2: Come on, Shay.
3: Playoff, Shay. playoff B. Playoff B. Yeah, it's tough. It, it's, be, it would be a much different series if Kawhi Leonard was playing.
2: I, I, th- I believe it may be a worse series. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on why you think that. We look at all these guys that are getting together with other superstars. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn, I, I, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan. Of Leonard,
3: just in general, or on of him that coming, team?
2: coming to say hypothetically, come to the Lakers, I mean the Clippers, Clippers. because Dame is such an ISO player, uh-huh. he could give you fifty, uh-huh. but he doesn't play defense, okay, right? And if he, when he goes in those fifty points, when he's going cold. When he goes cold and he's shooting a 38-footer, is dunking off the rim, and the other team is getting the ball and And, sprinting down the court. And transition. And transition. If you're going to have those type of all-stars, you got to have some of those all-stars. You got to have your specialists. And Mm -hmm. I think teams are starting to see that. If you're going to have some specialists – you gotta have guys that show up on both end of, end yeah. of the court. Two way players.
3: You gotta and, have two way players. And just and in today's not there. NBA, you you gotta have those guys. And they're not there. Even though, yeah. And and that's I, why I think the Clippers roster overall. I, the only thing I, I've always come to is, are is Paul George and Kawhi too similar? Like you know you know what I'm saying? Like you have. You have LeBron and AD, complementary players. AD can do some things LeBron can do. LeBron can do some things AD can't do. You look at, even though Brooklyn got eliminated, you look at KD and yep. James Harden and Kyrie. They all do something. They all do things that are similar, but then they all have distinct differences. I really think... KD, K, I mean, excuse me, uh, Kawhi and Paul George are very similar So do players. you
2: think Paul George plays just as good of defense?
3: He's a good defensive player. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so but you know what I'm saying? Like, complementary players is the only thing that I see with with that particular duo, that they're not that complementary. It's almost like, wash, rinse, repeat, we got the same guy that...
2: You know what it seems like, though? He seemed to play better as the head guy versus... Paul? Yes.
3: absolutely. I, I agree with that.
2: He seems to be an outstanding Batman. Yeah. He has gotten lost in translation in the game of being a robin
3: yeah and everybody that, can't do that right, right remember, but, remember how much uh uh chris mm-hmm. bosh struggled when lebron came to the mm-hmm. heat it was it was it's different when you're used yeah. to being the guy who gets buckets yeah and then you gotta have to take the second seat or with, with chris bosh that third seat
2: i see i i'm really i'm a basketball fan at knows zero about basketball. You,
3: uh, we, we always joke about this, like, when we're chilling. You know more about basketball than but you I, I don't, But I
2: don't feel confident yeah. talking about it, so I look at it purely from a – I don't even look at statistics anymore. Mm. I just look at, it like, I watch a guy play. I'm really surprised how James Harden morphed his game.
3: Mm. Yeah.
2: Right? I also look at people are talking about Kevin Durant. He can't win the big one. He carried that team. He missed the shot. Okay, great. Yeah. I just look at it purely as a not as a purist, not as someone that knows the game, not as athleticism. Being an athlete, I just kind of go, man, I love watching basketball. Mm-hmm. I love, I love playoff basketball.
3: Uh, me too. Uh, I, I, I I watch every single playoff game. Yeah, my wife knows when playoffs are on. I'm watching unless it becomes like a complete beat down, like the like that Hawks game the other night. Which about man? How about the Hawks, man? That's which, interesting. Where you say that's interesting?
2: Because you have a head coach that didn't want the job, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: an interim head coach, and they didn't really want to give him the job. They ran out the other guy. Yeah. And I think I find it extremely interesting with Trey Young, and this is the part about sports that you got to be careful of. Okay. When you draft your franchise and then you allow who's going to coach by how they work with one individual. Mm -hmm. And that one individual doesn't buy into it. He doesn't like how he's being coached. And then that guy gets fired. Yeah. And then now you see, you know, quote, unquote, you got to give him the buy-in. He signed that check. Yeah. Right? And then now you got a guy, Holiday. Holiday is putting them paws on you.
3: <laughs> right. I mean, he's, he's always – Holiday is a defensive monster. That's what you want him to do.
2: Correct. Yeah. And, but I find the interesting is now But Trey's still Ice Trey's still getting some buckets. He's he's still getting they, he's getting how many? Buckets Uses some buckets. Yeah, some buckets. I it, that's what I'm saying is he's a young guy that still needs to develop. Yeah. Will he be a superstar? Yeah. I want to see can he can can he come out next year and start where he finished in the playoffs? Oh, that's a good point.
3: Also think they've got a they got a they got a sneaky good roster too. Yes, is a good Huercher, I don't know how to pronounce that, but he's he's been good. Uh, Collins is a good player. Collins, Capella, man. man, they they got a. It's not just Trey you, Young and everyone else. Do you like they hear the have a ball? they have a pretty solid. You want to hear
2: a random thought of Capella what? and the timeout I'm going. Does he dye his hair in that spot or is that <laughs> right because darn that looks good you
3: like spray paint just that on the on the baldy just, yeah. just get you of, <laughs> just get you a can of
2: spray paint
3: but yeah. <laughs> yeah. that, that's
2: like that's when i say i am so checked out as far as an analyst of basketball yeah. i just look at it just yeah. as a fan like
3: so okay oh. so as a as a fan who would you who would you like to see in the finals <sighs>
2: So I would like to see Milwaukee in the finals because they're a small market team. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with Giannis being a champion and him being a champion as such a raw. He's still raw. Very much so. And Very if he becomes so. a champion, then people are going to let off on him. Mm. And he does he's not going to be held to that 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 standard of he still needs to improve.
3: Yeah, or, because now he
2: has that ring, right? Yeah. And I and I say that and people listening because I hear no, I, I hear well, this guy he's a Super Bowl champion, okay, but the brother can't make a free throw.
3: Yeah, yeah, and, and, oh, and oh, I'm I'll, sorry, an NBA champion. It, but it all but it always comes back to I feel like. There is a different standard for some of these younger players today than it was for the guys who came out like in the early 2000s, like the Lebrons, like the Chris Pauls, who you know maybe going to the finals, but those guys were maybe. ring or not, Did ring you or say not, maybe, maybe. Maybe they they up they up but three or one now Man, so the, they a cash, fork, cash, cash like. the check but you know what I'm saying like I yeah. I have always felt like the this last regime of superstars the LeBrons the Chris Pauls the Carmelo Anthony's it was do you got a ring or not mm-hmm. KD a little bit on on the fringe of that these got to your point like this this kind of next tier generation of your Westbrooks your Hardens Giannis like we. They haven't really come under that kind of fire, at least. And this is a conversation me and the fellas were just having. Like it's, it's been a, I don't want to say drop off, but it's a different type of criticism that they get someone to, I mean, I don't, you know, not to make it football versus basketball, but it has been times when you look at it as what does he have a ring? Well, well, what else? Right. So I get what you're saying.
2: Yeah. So I I just see Giannis as a, I say
3: ideal. I, I think it it'll be cool. So Milwaukee, yeah. Milwaukee, and who Milwaukee, would you? Milwaukee.
2: I got the and son. Phoenix. Milwaukee, I, and Phoenix. I want the Clipper, but them deuces. I yeah.
3: think that'd be the most. You know, you know that'd I be am, the most balanced matchup. Here is what
2: I am worried about, though, with Kawhi. Reading the reports, him and the injury. Yeah, why don't they just rule he, him out? I don't get it. Him and the injury, and him becoming a free agent, and knowing how he operates with injuries.
3: Yeah, the, he the ain't Spurs coming thing. back. Yeah. Yeah, I've 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 wondered if that, we, but it's a, it's a, it's you know you know some stuff behind staff, me. Yeah. And we, it. Yeah. ain't no coming and back. We went through that before. So all right, Mil- and I agree with that. So Milwaukee, Phoenix. We'll we'll see what happens, man. Well, that
2: would be fun to watch. It would be. Yeah. It would be nice do you, balance. Do you think it'll go to 7 games? Cuz I don't I go know. Six. Of, I don't know if Holiday can hang with,
3: with CP? CP. CP, that's what hey. I'm, I'm rooting for. That's I'm I'm rooting for my guy North Carolina. North Carolina born Chris Paul, I, I want him to get a ring. Want him to get a ring. So I, I got a cheer for North Carolina. So I'm, I'm being, I'm being non-biased. I want the Suns to win. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I'm, that's what I'm like going that.
2: for. Well, who we got
3: coming up on the Cut to It podcast? We've got Dante Stallworth, a veteran NFL wide receiver and a native of Sacramento, California. He's turned into a journalist, contributing to the Huffington Post, the New York Times, and CNN. Dante Stallworth on the Cut to It podcast. First segment is called get iced up random icebreaker questions we got to get you loose you know smitty very well you don't know what direction he's going to go in smitty go ahead and give him the first one
2: all right what sports oh. do you enjoy watching other than football mm,
4: that's a good question thank you I appreciate um, it. <laughs> let's see I, I ran track in high school so i definitely enjoy watching track, track. I was terrible in high school at basketball, but I I enjoy watching basketball. I can see
2: that. Why you? you, you, Hey. No, I've watched. Uh, I've watched Dante, and he's very finesse, mm -hmm. and he's extremely fast. Okay, and sometimes he could be out of control.
3: Oh, Okay, so like a a Westbrook almost. No. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. Give me that. Give me that. I tried to lay it up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What is something that always makes you laugh?
4: Family Guy. The show? Family Guy. The TV show Family Guy.
2: Never seen the show? Is that like with the big fat dude yeah. and the little kid with the big head? hmm
4: right. Yeah. Yeah, Stewie. Stewie uh, Griffin.
2: What, 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 what's so funny about the show?
4: It's, it's so inappropriate that mm. sometimes you just got to laugh.
2: Okay, okay.
4: You would enjoy it, actually.
2: Oh, all right. I put You know, it's kind of
4: it's kind of like the uh, yeah. You should you should definitely put it in rotation.
2: No, no, I put it at the bottom of my list that i probably will never check. It, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like a show I would. I but you know what? Because my guy said I, I'll, out, I'll check. I'll check out an episode or two. Then I I probably should give it two episodes because I'm already walking in there going, I'm not going I mean, to like the show.
3: you not. Yeah, you you're not even going to
2: make it past the credits. Hey, you just shortchanged me. Let me, know. you know let me hand sanitize that. <laughs> <hate>. <laughs> that was a good I like
3: that.
2: I like that. That was that was, that kill was a good go, germs. So what is your biggest pet peeve?
4: I, I don't like being in wet clothes. Like I love to run. I love, run outside, but when it's raining, I I just can't do it. Wet socks, wet clothes. I I need to have them off. I, there's something about wet clothes that I just don't like
2: having on. <laughs> All right, last one. Um, family traditions. One of the best things for me,
4: especially growing up as a kid, was always my mother cooking at Thanksgiving. Hmm. Um, we would have a number of family members. We have a big family. My, my dad had 11 brothers and sisters. So you can just imagine how many cousins and relatives we had just on my dad's side alone. So my mother would cook for everyone and and she cooks really well. And so everyone would come over and it was just kind of our way or at least her way of just, you know, bringing the family together. And even family who were hanging out, you know, at their own homes or went to see other family, they were always welcome to come get a plate. And there was always spades and dominoes playing and basketball, uh, playing outside. I never played basketball, but I was always ready to race anybody um in the streets you know things like that so we we had a that that family tradition was always something that that has always uh you know brought back good memories
3: how do you play spades, Dante? you play uh joker joker deuce deuce. Deuce.
4: deuce deuce
3: joker joker deuce joker joker deuce yep yeah, yeah. that's that's the that's, that's yeah. the proper way to play I believe.
2: Yeah. all right let's move on um so who's your favorite who was your favorite team growing up football basketball doesn't matter
4: The San Francisco 49ers, Um, Mm -hmm. 1994, I was a freshman in high school, and that was the year that um, that we the year before 1993, when I say we I'm speaking of the San Francisco 49ers in the 80s and 90s. So we, we had we had just lost to the Dallas Cowboys at home in candlestick uh, Emmitt Smith ran all over us. Michael Irvin, Alvin Harper had some big plays, and Jay Novacek obviously coming through in the clutch on third downs. And the defense was really good. So the next year, we we made some changes. We brought in Gary Plummer. We brought in Ken Norton from Dallas. We brought in uh, the incomparable Deion Sanders, who didn't make it to the team until week three against the Saints, I believe, and. At this time, I could tell you the roster of every team. I knew every coach, head coach, oh, yeah. uh, coordinators. The street, yeah. that
2: was the tip. Man, that was a team. Dallas, yeah. Oh,
4: yeah.
2: Dallas, oh, yeah. San Francisco, San Francisco yeah. Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when everything went through the NFC. Yeah. Whoever in right. NFC right. won we pretty much right. winning. winning yeah. the championship. That's yeah. so, who else? Uh, the Packers with with yeah. with Sterling. Mm-hmm. Then you have Philly. Um, when they had Keith Byers, it left-handed throwing a throwing a, a little toss sweep, toss sweep pass, a halfback pass, and they had Charlie Garner, yeah. right? Um, just all the different players, man. So mm-hmm. the that the NFC championship always went through the NFC, right? right. If you AFC, right. AFC teams ever had a had a chance,
4: I, I still have every game on VHS. By the way, recorded all every game that's with the commercial from week one to Super Bowl. All of it. Wow. All of it. VHS. No, actually, you know what? I used to pause. I used to hit the I used to hit the pause button to, to save um to save tape on the end of that tape. Because the tape would only if you recorded it on uh, SP, which was the highest quality at the yeah, time. It, was it took
3: up a lot of tape. Yep.
4: It took up three hours. So I would get one game each VHS tape. And that was that was my allowance. That's when I event. whenever I had my allowance, I would save up for VHS tapes and posters and hang in my room. That was that was whatever I Whatever I'd spent my money on.
2: Who's your favorite athlete growing up as a kid? Woo. Uh, Any sport? My favorite.
4: yeah, my so my favorite athlete, I, I was a big football fan. Football was like ninety-eight percent.
2: Give me the two percent.
4: The other two percent was honestly was probably history and science. I, I was I was a I was a nerd as a kid and and I enjoyed uh learning about world history, learning about American history. Um, and a lot of the a lot of the things that I that I grew up in, even today, still um, are things that kind of harken back to my childhood with, you know, which his, history I write about, uh, politics and, and the history of politics, the history of sports, things like that. So it, it's it's all come kind of connected. But um, I, I would say probably my favorite athlete was it, it, it's, I would have to say Dion. I was thinking between um because my four favorite football players were were really in no order um probably between Dion, okay. deon uh jerry mm-hmm. barry sanders and bo jackson were my four Ooh. and those Ooh. are my those that, are my guys like
3: mount rushmore right there that is man that's a mount yeah. yeah
4: i i actually saw jerry I, well, we can get to that later but i actually saw jerry rice as a kid and um, he called the police on me, but uh, I stopped because I was talking
3: him. I was 14 years old. We need we need that story.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, we can talk about that later. Nah, he he didn't he didn't call the police on me. It was their training camp. It was their training camp. They, we were in Rockland, and I was with uh, a high school teammate of mine who lived north of Rockland, and I'm from Sacramento, so I was going, uh, you know, to his home in um, in Grass Valley.
2: Huh? You going to Jerry's home?
4: No, no, no. My, my high school quarterback.
2: You uh, said, said stalking yeah, 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 yeah. and then you yeah, said Jerry. So, so I so thought we you, started, I thought <laughs> you were... <laughs> No, I actually that, didn't that know was, what was that, that, that was Dean that calling the police. And then I was in the bush. <laughs> yeah, I was in the bush with binoculars.
4: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, uh, I'll give you the quicker version. So the quicker version is, as we're driving by Rockland, this is during the summer, and this is right around the time when training camp is, is starting. And so I, I knew everything about Jerry Rice, who's one of my favorite players one of my probably you know one of my favorite athletes so I knew that uh his wife's name was Jackie I knew that um you know I just knew his family dynamic anything about Dre Rice I had read about because I loved him so much as a kid and so as as we were stopping to get gas in front of us there was a little convertible it was like a blue-ish Mercedes with the license plate that said something like for you Jackie or Jackie And I remember looking like, oh, that's Jerry Rice's wife's name. And then I looked at the person in the car, which I was behind, and I'm like, yo, that's Jerry. And my and my teammate was like, how can you tell that's Jerry Rice in the back of his head? I'm like, bro. I know that bean head. That's Jerry Rice, bro. Follow him. Mm-hmm. So we follow him. I'm I'm 15
3: years old. Sure that's my favorite tented, player.
2: Now the criminal <laughs> right. act begins. Right. Follow him. Right.
3: Follow, him. Hey, this way. follow him. I got it. I got his plates.
2: <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Make it. Right. My- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it a left. Last- on Bangor. yeah But you were not talking <laughs> on yeah. North, South, West. <laughs>
4: <laughs> For me, it was my deductive reasoning that we, we're in Rockland, that's what it's training camp, it's a Mercedes Benz, Jackie's a license plate, that's his wife's name. And I know Jerry, I know the back of Jerry Rice's head. And
2: he's an African American so, man.
4: Hey, I, but I'm telling you, I, like, so we, we didn't even get gas. We followed Jerry, right? So I think, you know, and we're in this beat up, we're in this beat up pickup truck, right? And he just sees two guys following him. So he's, in his mind, you know, I'm not thinking this at a time. I'm 15 years old, right? This is my idol. I'm going to, like, say hi to him. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, was, I was. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was, I was all, I was all about it. <laughs> so. We we pulled in, he, he pulled in, which, you know, it, it, there were a lot of cars. And I figured this was the, you know, the uh, the 49ers uh, parking only 49ers only parking. But we followed him in. And then so he drove around the parking lot inside. So we stopped. Right. And then we're like, OK, we're following. We're actually like following him, following him now. Let's just pull over here and and uh, wait till he gets out of his car. So he parks up close. And as we see him park up close, we get out of the car and start walking towards him. Now, we're probably about 50 yards away from the entrance where he's walking into. Jerry's out of his car, and he's looking in our direction, and he's pointing at us to security. And security is, like, looking at us as we're walking up. And so then the security starts walking towards us, and Jerry walks in the building. And he's like, hey, you guys can't be in here. And we were like, oh, we just wanted to say hi to Jerry. And he's like, that's a, that's fine, I understand it, but you're not allowed to be in here. And so we left and I wasn't like, oh, I just stalked Jerry Rice. I was like, oh my God, I just said, what's up to Jerry Rice, that was my story. So I, I had met my idol. And and of course I had like exaggerated the whole encounter. I didn't tell anyone that we stalked him partially, but um, yeah, he like, he was like, yo, he was probably like, yo, these dudes right here have followed me from this light and y'all need to make sure that, you know, they're not gonna run up in here and try to do whatever. So, yeah, so he didn't necessarily call the police on me. It was, that was obviously hyperbole, but um, no, he, he, he did what, you know, any self-aware human being would have done when you had two people following you in a beat up pickup truck.
2: We have to take a break and more than anything, we gotta pay some bills. Mm-hmm, you got check. I love Cut To It, and I I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And
3: you can follow us on social media, too, Smithy.
2: Where, where at? And
3: that's at Cut To It on Instagram.
2: What about Twitter? At Cut To It. Facebook?
3: Cut To It featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at CutToItPodcast.com, where you can buy merch, and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: I got all my answers questions. Um, nah. I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother.
3: Cut to CutToItPodcast.com. All right, so there we were,
0: cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. And outrun run a few.
1: Drive the Nissan Rogue.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
2: We obviously know you grew up in Northern California. So it's a great transition. Uh, so tell me where are you from and the place you call your hometown?
4: Hometown is Sacramento, California, North area. Um, went to Grant High School. And, you know, we were called the Grant High Pacers, blue and gold. And we we have, you know, a number of players from my high school who have played in, in our playing um, you know, in, in the NFL now, uh, Shaq Thompson, obviously, uh, from the Carolina Panthers, he's been holding it down and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just been great to see, you know, not, not just from not just from California or I'm sorry, from my high school, but just from, you know, Sacramento and and the Sacramento surrounding areas, a lot of, a lot of professional athletes, a lot of, a lot of, uh, NFL players are coming out of the area and, and it's just, it's been fun to sit back and watch these guys, uh, grow, as as humans, as people, and as, as uh, NFL players,
2: growing up, growing up in Sacramento. Now you're older, living in D.C. You traveled New England, New Orleans, Baltimore, all these different places. Miami. Um, I, I, how would you say, with all that you've experienced and seen in your adulthood, how would you categorize Sacramento impacting? uh, the way you, the way you see the world today and just how you are, uh, based on all your experiences, uh, seeing all those different places.
4: I think, uh, just being born and raised in Sacramento, um, you know, I, my, my mother, uh, did, a, did a great job of, uh, of raising us. Uh, I have three other brothers and sisters and, you know, my mother was very grounded in, uh, in. In Christianity and so she instilled a lot of that in us and also mama didn't play she had the belt or a mm-hmm. spatula or whatever else was on hand to tie in that spirituality that religious those religious uh teachings with the belt um and a lot of that comes from uh you know just just my my upbringing being in Sacramento seeing uh you know being being in Sacramento but also realizing that That the that the world was a lot bigger than Sacramento, so I don't think that it uh, that it impacted me in a in any kind of a negative sense. I think that you know growing up where you know Sacramento, there like any other uh, inner city, there are gangs and drugs and violence. And uh, my you know growing up growing up in Sacramento where I grew up in high school that I went to, that was not immune from any of those things, but you know, just the sense of community that we have in Sacramento, um, the sense of brotherhood. I think a lot of that, it, it all surrounded around my high school football team. And that more than anything brought a lot of people together. So I understood at a young age, how, how important sports were uh, bringing people together. And I think that, that, that stayed with me, you know, through all my travels, you know, uh, in throughout the NFL and college, Post NFL politics, I think, is as as divisive as we've become as a nation. Um, the, I think the one thing that people can 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 all agree on is how much uh, football has has played an integral part. No, you know, no matter what your politics are, no matter what your political ideology or alliances are, I think when when people people get you know, football game, you know, it's all about their team versus your team. And somehow I, I've, I've, you know, no one has mastered it, but uh, you know, somehow you try to find a connection between, you know, what we can do as, as a nation to, 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 to build a better cohesive egalitarian society where, where people can get along, you know, with different political ideologies at a football game, but take that to the next step, and where they can get along and uh, and and try to try to pro- progress together as, as a nation instead of being extremely divisive as we are.
3: Where did your where did your thirst for knowledge come from? When you you mentioned you're big in history, science, education, where did that thirst of knowledge come from? Oh, you know what? I, I don't
4: know, man. It's, it's just it's as long as I can remember, I was always. Uh, as a kid, I used to read the encyclopedias that we had at home. I would always, in the libraries uh, that we would have and, I, and we would go to, like, you know, as a kid in elementary school, I would always check out, like, the Greek mythology books, the ancient ancient uh, Egypt. I, I loved reading about uh, hieroglyphics and just all these things about world history. And I, I honestly, I don't know where it came from, but I, but I do know that my parents helped foster that. By um, you know, getting me books, buying me a telescope before they bought me a football. Um, all these things kind of kind of nurtured my curiosity. And uh I think probably the biggest thing that that enabled me to understand how big the world was was that I I was enamored with um with astronomy, with space, learning about the planets. So I knew that, you know, starting off as a kid, I knew that the world was bigger than Sacramento. Um and, and, and that, I think, I believe that directly came from my love of learning about the planets and learning about how how different planets operate and and why they are, the colors they are, the sizes they are, all these different things uh, intrigued me as a kid. And um, it just kind of, my, my intellectual curiosity blossomed as a child. And it's, you know, it's it's, I think it's still there. It's something that, you know, I always enjoy learning about more things, more history. There's, there's so much that that's out there to be learned and no one can know everything. So we're on a constant journey of learning no matter how old we get.
2: Do you, did you travel a lot when you were younger?
4: Uh, In my mind, I did. I I didn't, um, I didn't have the means to, but when I, when I did have the means, I actually didn't until probably a few years after I was in the NFL, I didn't get my passport till, till really till I was forced to, because when I, we were, when I was uh, playing for the Patriots in 2007, we were supposed to go to China to play a preseason game. And so we had to make sure that everyone had passports. And I did not, no, I did have my passport at that time. I had just, I'm sorry, I just got my passport um, before a free agency started. I'm sorry. So, um, and I didn't travel actually until that off season. That was the first time that I had traveled. And I went to Spain. Actually, me and Reggie Bush went together. Um, he was shooting a commercial with David Beckham so he had to be up at 630 in the morning every, you know, every day for the first three or four days. And I was just out, just out seeing, you know, Madrid. And-
2: I like that.
4: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I you know what? I, 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 I had some fun. You know, I was uh, – <laughs> you know, I, I had some word. fun.
2: That was a key word. Like, he's not going to lie, but he's <laughs> not going to incriminate himself again. <laughs> <laughs> this is great discussion man let's get right let's let's jump right into your career because you were drafted in the first round you went to tennessee and we're going to get into that man you went to university of tennessee the volunteers and bro you were on a, I look at the roster of some of the players and you were <laughs> ordained to just get the opportunity to play in the league because you, you you were playing with some guys that just are remarkable but we'll get to that later the 13th overall pick to the New Orleans Saints. You play excellent. You had a great career. Had some hard work. Had some hard times. You know, but I really want to get into the thing that changed your life forever, right? And 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 um, and the reason I say it, and why I want to jump into that because. A lot of times when ath- us athletes, when we make mistakes, so many people feel whenever we say something, they only bring that up to almost shut us up, to tell us, well, you did this, so shut the blank up. Or,
3: or dehumanize
2: and, you. And, and, and dehumanize you. And so I wanted you to take us through that because, one, I, I also know, you know, to, to, that's your mission and you've, it, it has impacted you. And you're very forthright with that information. If you spoke to a number of teams, yeah. and so I want I, I want our audience to hear your story and what and what it what it what it has done, how how has it impacted both families? And you know, and what you what you have to deal with just your part, and now the family has to deal with what they have to, but what you have to deal with your part every single day.
4: So uh, this was, uh, the off season in 2009, I was coming off of, um, my worst year, uh, career wise in football, I had been hurt. Um, you know, I had, I had a couple of, uh, muscle injuries and I just, you know, speed is my game. So I wasn't able to utilize my speed, which kind of rendered me useless for the season. Uh, and even in the games, the few games that I did play in. And I had just signed a seven-year, $35 million deal with uh, the Cleveland Browns. And there, it was uh, $10 million in guarantees. And, you know, I think I ended up catching like 17 passes that year. and I, I, was, I was just, I was utterly useless in my, in my own mind. And so I, I knew that I had to get back on track. I didn't want to, uh, I felt like I had let my teammates down. I felt like I had let myself down. And so I wanted to work my way back into the best shape that I had ever been in so I could come out and help my team win some games and, and, and play, be the, be the player that they had paid me to be. And so the last, the last uh, weekend before everyone was heading back to their respective teams to, to start their, uh, their off-season program in 2009, uh, there was a, a lot of guys we would, we would train down in South Florida, specifically in Miami. And, you know, we trained really hard that Friday. Fridays are always, you know, the hard days. So we, we trained really hard. Then a couple of guys, uh, you know, ended up leaving, leaving from the, uh, from the place where we work out, went to go grab a bite to eat. Uh, then, so I, I got a bite to eat and I ended up getting home about seven thirty eight. 8. Uh, I went upstairs. I was so tired from the day because I had, you know, expended so much energy on that Friday workout. And uh, I knew that I had to get ready to go that Sunday to go to uh, Cleveland to start the offseason program. So I ended up falling asleep and I get a phone call about uh, a quarter to two, two o'clock from a teammate of mine asking me to come hang out with him for his birthday. There was a lot of guys that was going to be there. And uh, so we were all going to kind of meet up and, you know, have one last drink before we all left to go to our respective teams to work out. So I got there, uh, you know. I got up, showered, went to the club. I got there, had a few drinks, um, and I was there for probably a few hours. And then, so I got home uh, about uh, I don't remember what time it was, maybe 5:30, 5:30 in the morning. And uh, I went to sleep. I got home, fell asleep, and I woke up uh, around seven o'clock, close to seven. And I didn't have any food in my home. I can't cook, or I couldn't cook at the time. So I didn't have any food. And the only place that I knew that was open was a place on the beach called News Cafe. And I was, in this time, I had just, uh, my, my condo had just uh, finished being built in Miami. So I was living right across the bridge uh, in downtown Miami, which is uh, right across from the American Airlines Arena where the Miami heat play. So this on, the only place that I knew that was open, uh, you know, it was still dark out. So I was just gonna go to this place and I was texting other friends, seeing if they were up to meet me there. No one was up. So um, I ended up uh, driving across the bridge and that was when I encountered um, Mr. Reyes running across the uh, highway. And by the time I could really, uh, you know, react or anything, I had hit him. And, you know, there was was so much misinformation that initially, in initial reports, people were saying that I, or the reports were saying I was going 80 miles an hour, said that I ran onto a curb, ran a red light, which none of those things, uh, were, were true, but I just, you know, I, I didn't really care about that. I just wanted, initially wanted to know that, uh, that the man that I had just hit with my car was okay. And, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't get any notification from the police. They didn't tell me anything until, I waived my Miranda rights and went down to the, which any attorney will tell you never to do, but I didn't feel, I was, I felt like I was not trying to hide anything. I wanted to help whatever they needed. Hmm. Um, And so I waived my Miranda rights, went down to the police station and gave my statement. But, you know, right before I gave my statement, the lead investigator of, of, uh, of that case came out and told me that uh, after I'd asked him multiple times prior, uh, he came out and told me that, that Mr. Reyes didn't make it. And so, you know, I, I as any normal human being would do, I broke down crying because I was like, not because of of uh, you know any trouble that I had thought that I was in. It was I because of you
2: got some heavy information in which you were you were the driver and and, right. and it was part of your participation.
4: Right, right. And and that hit me, man, because you know, I, I was the kind of guy like I, you know, I pretty much got along with everyone. I had never been in a fight you know, in my life, I didn't mess with anybody, nobody really messed with me. So I was just, you know, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't that kind of guy. And, uh, you know, to ever like even want to like, even harm anyone in a physical fight or anything. So this, th- that really uh, hit me hard. And, um, you know, and and obviously, I was uh, concerned about, uh, I didn't know anything about Mr. Reyes, but I I I obviously understood that uh, you know as time went on that he had a family that he was um, you know had a 15 year old daughter and uh, obviously you know had parents and uh, and siblings so uh, that was that was that was hard it was it was it was a very difficult time for me uh, you know dealing with with and coming to terms with all of that but I think uh, two weeks later I gave my first statement uh, publicly. And afterwards I, I was not allowed to communicate with the family directly we were we had to communicate through the channels of um, my attorney with their attorney and they wanted my attorney to know the family of mr. Reyes wanted my attorney to know that they appreciated how I handled everything and I was I was pretty dumbfounded uh, that that they would be thanking me for the way I handled everything they, they were uh, uh, complimentary of, of, you know, me taking the initial steps, unfortunately, in, in these situations, when, when there's a, when there's a driver, whether the driver's been uh, under the influence or not, they tend to flee the scene. And that as, as the, any psychologist or even state attorney's office will tell you, that is a natural reaction. It's fight or flight uh, sense. And, and, and people and, but you know, that was not saying that I'm a good person or any of this I'm stuff, but was, you know, that was never my intention. And, and my intention was for what happened to Mr. Reyes and tried to get, you know, tried to call 911 and get them out there as soon as possible. And so all of these things actually really played in my favor, not again, not thinking about it at the time, but all of these things played into my favor um you know at at the end of the plea agreement the fact that i stayed on the scene the fact that i was the first one to call nine one one uh after multiple and or a dozen calls um you know I, i i waived my miranda rights to go down to speak to the police um all these things had had a positive effect on on my situation at the end and so um you know i i just uh I understood that there were no winners in, in anything that any outcome that was going to happen. Uh, you know, if I went to jail for 10 years or if I didn't go to jail at all, there were no n- none of that would 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 give any retribution. It wouldn't bring Mr. Reyes back and it wouldn't uh, take my mind off to the fact every day that um, I, I played a role in someone losing their life. And so um, I knew at that moment that I had I had two two decisions that I could make. I could fade into obscurity and never speak to anyone again and just go about my life and and never talk about it again or I could put myself on front street and be allowed, you know, be susceptible and vulnerable to to attacks but when I when I started to think about the work that I could do, the work that I could help other people with, then all of the that became a shield for people that want to attack me that just want me to to invalidate any other uh, topics or any other conversation that I bring up. So, it, you know, it, it, it was always, it, it's always hard. It's hard to talk about at any time. You know, it's been more than a decade and it's still just as fresh on my mind as it happened yesterday. But the thing, again, that I said that I, that I use as a shield is to know that when, when I'm speak, especially when I go, I, I've, I've spoken at, you know, multiple universities um, to incoming freshmen to, uh, to athletes, both men and women's sports. Um, I've done a promotional videos for the, uh, for the NHL, for the NFL, obviously um, working on doing some things with the NBA. So I've been, I've been active in trying to, uh, you know, raise awareness, not, not necessarily for driving under the influence, but just for decision-making in general mm-hmm. and, and, and how we, you know, how, how, when we make decisions, you know, they can all culminate to a situation where, their snowball effect happens and now, you know, you've made so many seemingly benign or minor decisions that culminate into a snowball effect where now it's out of your control and you can't handle it. So my job, I feel, is to make people aware of those minor decisions that they're making um, and and try to stop them from even getting to that snowball so they can control, uh, you know, a majority of the things and not have any self-inflicted wounds with, with consistent decisions that they're making, everyday decisions that they're making that may not seem like bad decisions in, in, in uh, you know, as you're making them. But when you look back on things in hindsight, it's like, oh, you know, this could have been prevented if I wouldn't have done X, Y, Z or ABC. So um, I, I've been able to, uh, you know, speak at, at different companies, speak in front of uh, kids. And and all of this I, I've taken to, uh, you know, as just as me not falling into obscurity, me not crawling into a hole, you know, or moving somewhere out of the country and just living my life and not talking to anyone again. And I feel like that would be cowardly of me. I feel like that would be um, that that would be uh, running away from my responsibility that I have to to continue to try to um, try to help people and, and give them um, an assessment of my journey and how I got there and how they can prevent going down a similar path.
2: I think it's about that time. Just uh, take a little breather.
3: Could do it. Could do it. Let get down to it.
2: Hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh,
3: yes. I got it from CutToItPodcast.com, where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop, But yeah, you can go on, buy you a T-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: If you're
4: looking for the most epic place on earth,
2: let's start at the base of a massive waterfall.
3: Then, trek through the thick jungle. Then, climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there,
4: keep going. Because with Intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder,
0: the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
3: To go through all of that and to know the, the trauma that has happened, of course, to, to other people, but then yourself, how have you been able to take care of yourself from a mental health standpoint and be able to apply self-care?
4: You know what? I, I was um, I was in a pretty bad place I. I just, you know, any anyone would be I was in a pretty bad place initially. And I think my first steps to healing came when the family reached out after two weeks, I had to, um, I, I uh, turned myself into the police and posted bail. But that's when I gave my first um, public statement. And, um, and shortly after that, they thanked me, you know, for the way I handled things from, you know, from the onset which, uh, which honestly started my healing process. Uh, It didn't happen that day or the next day or the next week or the next year. But I think the fact that the family um, was appreciative of, you know, how I handled things and, uh, and forgiving, and uh, they were instrumental, honestly, in in the plea agreement, um, you know, and, and the reason why people don't, you know, they, they see a black and white situation where, uh, you know, someone was under the influence and hit someone with their car and that person died and they don't see, you know, why I didn't go to prison for 10 years. But, um, you know, there, there were a lot of things that I won't really relitigate, but, uh, you know, the, the family understood the facts of the case and anyone who was involved understood the facts of the case, but the family was also instrumental. And a lot of people don't know this. I don't know if I've said this publicly, or not but the family didn't want me to do any jail time they they didn't want to they didn't want to go to court they didn't want cuz basically my defense would have had to have uh you know defending myself would have would have had to have uh, put a, a um yeah i know what you're a, saying a, a over, over the entire case over, over the so,
2: circumstances of all of it
4: right and and so no one wanted that i didn't want that the family didn't want that and so they were instrumental in a lot of things. And again, they, they didn't want me to, to serve any time in, in jail, honestly. You so didn't, I,
2: you you didn't serve any time, but you've also,
4: I did 30 days, but you know, they basically sentenced me with the DUI. Um, well, what, what and, and,
2: that's and you got a DUI 30 days in jail, but you also are never, you're not allowed or ever to have a driver's license, correct?
4: Yeah, I I cannot. um, My my driver's license in Florida is suspended for life. Um, I guess I can apply for a a license elsewhere. I live in Washington, D.C. I've been here for almost seven years. But, you know, driving again has never um, been something that's on my mind. And I'm lucky to live in a city where, um, you know, the uh, it's pretty easy to get around. There's a lot of people that walk around in in D.C. He
2: was he was in Baltimore doing the internship. Uh, when I was there yeah. and he didn't drive there either.
4: Wow. Yeah.
2: You know, it's, and, and I learned that about him, you know, just, you know, a lot of people just see one thing and they go, Oh, you know, but there's things that you've been, you've been experiencing almost 10 plus years now that are, that's literally every day of his life that he, yeah, you know, obviously the family has has to deal with that as well, but it, you know, I guess one of the questions I've always wanted to ask you. I know I've been in car accidents when I was a young kid. And there's times where when I go to sleep or I close my eyes, I can see mental images of things. Have you experienced that? Uh,
4: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And honestly, it's one of the reasons why I don't, why, why I don't necessarily care, at least at this point to, like drive again. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, and, and it's something that, uh you know, I had to, d- luckily the, I, I was very reluctant, but the NFL essentially uh, forced me to, uh, to see a therapist, you know, mm. shortly after it happened. And, um, you know, it, it, just as an NFL player, you know, our whole mentality is to run through it. Right. And and to not let your opponent let see your weaknesses, right? Mental, physical weaknesses. Don't let them see you tired. Right. When we're training and, and we're doing these sprints, no, no bending over, no, no bending your hands on your knees, stand up, you know what I mean? And all these mm-hmm. types of things that are ingrained in you as a player. And it's not necessarily easy to switch those things off, uh, you know, in, in in real life, in actual life, outside of the football game. So um there were a lot of things in those therapy sessions, man, that I that I learned about myself that um, that I didn't know I, I was uh, that that were kind of like like hidden beneath the surface. And um, you know, with, without without those therapy sessions, I, I I don't know you know where I would be right now. So I'm actually glad that the NFL did that, and it also enabled me to to realize like you know, and, and I studied psychology in school, you'd think I would understand this, but uh, I think the football aspect of my life kind of took that over. But, it, you know, you, you, when you speak, when you're speaking to a therapist, there's just this, this uh, societal norm that it's just, it's shunned upon. Mm. And, you know, we, we, everyone needs someone to talk to, whether we talk to our significant other, we talk to our family members, our best friends, we we all speak to someone in, in, in times of need and times of, So Uh, advice, we need someone. But you have a professional.
2: What are some of the things, if you don't mind sharing, that you discovered through the through therapy that were beneath those the the root of some of the things that you may not even you didn't even know were there.
4: Um, I think there was a lot of uh, a lot of built up anger that I didn't realize was there. Mm -hmm. Anger at at me putting myself in that situation. Anger at uh, people who didn't, uh, you know, know the situation, uh, but just kind of saw, you know, the X, Y, Z, and they came to their own determination. Uh, Not at all anger at Mr. Reyes, just anger that I put myself in that position. And anger at a lot of the the.
2: The fallout of uh, the fallout of what, what transpired after? Yeah.
4: Yeah. And because I, I, I hadn't realized it, but I had hit it really well because, again, it was just a, you know, I needed to stay focused on my task at hand. Uh, and, and the anger just was kind of pushed off to the side.
2: and um, now, Hold on, though. After, after you went all through this, go through a trial, during this process, where were the Cleveland Browns?
4: Um, well, they had just brought in a new head coach and, and, and honestly, there, there were a couple people behind the scenes that were, that were reaching out, uh, you know, checking on me and and asking if I could, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very appreciative of it. And honestly, I'll be real, man. I know, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of, he gets a bad rap and some of the things, you know, obviously I don't agree with that. Some of the decisions that he's made, especially, you know, earlier on, as his tenure as commissioner, but uh, Roger Goodell was very instrumental as well, which surprised me. I, I didn't know him at all, and you know, and I'm like, you know, this is like my first time meeting him in this situation. And
2: You're in trouble. You know, <laughs>
4: yeah, you know what me, I mean. Meeting the
2: commish, why you were in trouble? <laughs> yeah. I don't think right. that's gonna okay. go over very well.
4: Right, right, and um, and I had a I had an opportunity um to speak to him one on one. He invited me in the, in his office. And one of the things he told me, it was just he and I, one of the things he told me was, um, you know, before you walk in this office, you're not walking in here as an NFL player and I'm not the commissioner. You're walking in here as a man and you're walking into my office and I'm a man and we're going to have a man to man conversation. So basically he was like, take off your football hat. This has nothing to do with football. It has nothing to do with business. We're just talking man to man. And he shared some things with me that I was like, why is he telling me all these personal things? But, uh, you know, at the end of it, I realized that, uh, you know, even through everything, he um, and people he had spoken with and, uh, you know, other owners that I had played for at other teams, um, he understood that, you know, from what he told me and what he'd heard from them was that, you know, he's not a bad guy at all. He's just, he's a good guy that just made a horrible decision and the outcome was very bad. Uh, you know, the, the outcome was um, uh, something that was irreparable, right? And so uh, we talked a lot about, about, you know, moving forward and what I, what, what I saw in myself, what I saw that I could do moving forward, not just to help myself, but to help society as a whole and obviously help other people in the NFL. And that was the conversation. And that was the conversation before he suspended me. He even asked me, like, uh you know what do you think he's like if you were in my shoes at the end of the conversation he said uh if you were in my shoes what would you do and i said i would probably be suspended for at least the season and that's what he did i'm not saying he took my word for it but you know that that's that's what he did and we had a great conversation i still talk to him till this day i can i can text him or maybe before covid i could text him and say hey i'm in new york you know, are you free tomorrow around this time? And he'd say, yeah, I'll make time come through. And he would make time for me. We'd speak for an hour or two, talk about the state of the NFL society. And, and I felt like I really had his ear and, and even throughout, you know, the whole thing with the protests, I talked to him a number of times and we, you know, and, and told him some things that I thought that was not, you know, that was not okay with what the NFL was doing and things that he wanted to do moving forward. And I appreciate uh, him, you know, for, he, he was there, he was, he was there for me and, and checking on me regularly and he didn't have to you know I was suspended I was out of the league essentially and you know he he had no reason to he had every reason to kind of wipe his hands with me and uh and no reason to continue to to continue our communication and to continue to talk to me but he he did and so I will always be grateful for him for that and uh you know he was he was one of the people who were very instrumental um you know in helping me get back into the league and talking me talking to me throughout that whole process, even when I was suspended.
2: Appreciate your time, man. Appreciate you taking the time to, to really tell your story, mm-hmm. you know, to tell you why and what you've experienced, what you've gone through, how you've over, overcome it. Man, we don't take that information and, and the message and your transparency lightly. So thank you, brother.
4: I appreciate you. Anytime. Thanks for having me.
2: You are a unique person. You are well worth it. You are competent, and most of all, you're lovable. I'm Steve Smith Sr., I'm Gerard Littlejohn, and this is Cut To It. Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., that is me, is a production of Cut To It, LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite shows
3: from cut to it executive producer Steve Smith senior co-host Gerard Littlejohn talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media team Wesley Robinson and John show from Balto creative media cut to it is produced by Brian Baltoshevich and Meredith Carter with production assistance by Alex Labreck production coordinator Taylor Robinson. Theme music by Alex Johnson. Lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. You ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. know It's
2: on.
4: It's on.
1: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you.